this is Kelsey popping in to say that unfortunately our audio quality may not be as up to par as it normally is. I made a mistake. I recorded off the wrong microphone. So unfortunately my audio may not be as good as it normally is, but we will be back next time with the correct audio. So we hope you enjoy today's episode and thanks for listening. And welcome to Tea and Strumpets, a Regency Romance Review. I'm Zoe. And I'm Kelsey. Well, today we're back in Maiden Lane with the eighth book. Like, we're getting there in this we're series. We're so close. Wild. No, we're not that close. There's 14, honey. <laughs> there's four? No, there's tw- oh, well, there's 12 books and then some novellas. There's only 12 books. Okay. Well, now we have to check it. Maiden... Lane series. I'm pretty sure there's 14. I'm pretty sure there's 12 because that's what my Kindle says. And I wouldn't have just stopped. Okay. 12 books, but 12 primary works, 18 total works. But some of those are essays too. So, okay. We're so we're getting there. We are more than halfway through the primary works. Books, the primary <laughs> works. Okay. Primary works. I like that. There's our author right. fact. That's our author fact because there are no facts this week. Just FYI. Yeah, and I thought about a history fact because our main character is blind. And so I was like, oh, we could look up like juvenile blindness and I could figure out which type of blindness she has. But there's really no way to figure it out. No, it's not she partic- just has degenerative eye disorder. Yeah, so there's not much to talk about with that. The one thing that I will say is I think this was the first book I ever read, a historical romance, that had a character with a disability. Um, uh, I mean, which I just think is kind of an interesting fact about me, it and it is also kind of an interesting fact about historical romance, and also um, kind of how few options there were and how many there are starting to be, which is really exciting. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've read a handful before this one, so but I you read this very early on in your romance novel journey. I did not. I did. I did. So this is not even my first blind main character. So Very. could not tell mm. you what the other one I read was. I can tell you it was like a Beauty and the Beast type situation. Yeah. <laughs> and he was blind. And if I called Sarah, she could probably tell me what book it was. She has the best memory. Oh, um, God. She's an encyclopedia of all the books I've read. <laughs> well, this book has a few other tropes in it. It has age gap and class difference and bodyguard and only one bed. <laughs> Just to name a few. I was like, what trope is this? And I was like, oh, boom, 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 boom. There's quite a few wrapped up in this neat little package. Yes. And our main characters today are Lady Phoebe Batten and Captain James Trevilian. And should we preface with, if you don't remember, Lady Phoebe Batten is sister to Maximus Batten, the Duke of Wakefield. And Hero, who is now a reading? Stanwick? I I think it's a Stanwick. Griffin, Griffith Stanwick? I, we've read too many books recently, or since, but since we've read yes. Hero's book. But anyhow, her sister's Hero. She pops in and out throughout the series. Yes. Uh, hopefully you remember. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Phoebe get progressively more and more blind. Yes. 
So, Kelsey, shall we get into our synopsis? We shall. After he was injured during Duke of Midnight, Captain James Trevelyan was unable to continue as a dragoon. After his broken leg healed, it did not heal well enough to continue active duty. So for the last yearish, he's been Lady Phoebe Batten's bodyguard. Phoebe, for her part, has mainly resented his presence, since it is just another way her brother has limited her freedom since she started going blind. She was never able to have a season, never goes to events, and now what limited activities she is permitted, she must bring her keeper. Our book opens on Bond Street when it finally appears that having a bodyguard may not have been the worst idea, since there is an attempt to abduct Phoebe in broad daylight. James thwarts the kidnapper's attempts, and Phoebe is brought home safely. Her brother is convinced that he knows who is behind the kidnapping attempt, so is a bit dismissive when James tells him they should investigate deeper. As this means Phoebe is even more closely watched, it is the perfect chance for her and James to grow closer. Phoebe begins to admit, mainly to herself, that she does like James a bit and even considers him a friend at the end of the day. James has admired Phoebe from the beginning, but he is very aware that he is 12 years her senior and a commoner to boot, which is why it is a shock when Phoebe suddenly kisses him when he is comforting her after an argument with her brother. He knows he must stay away, but do- but this does soften him a bit when it comes to their outings. Phoebe convinces James to let them go to Hart's Folly to meet with Mr. McLeish, the architect whom she recently met at her new friend Eve Dinwoody's house. At the Folly, though, there is a second kidnapping attempt, and this time it is a very near miss. When they arrive back at home, James tells the Duke about the second attempt, and also that he is resigning his post. If it wasn't for the other footman present, he would not have been able to protect Phoebe due to his bad leg. While this is happening, Mr. McLeish comes to check on Phoebe and actually proposes to her. She turns him down, and this is where she begins to realize her growing feelings for James. This is then threatened when she learns he's quit. Phoebe runs to his room and tells him he doesn't need to leave. He needs to stay and be her bodyguard. Also, she's sorry for being so forward the day before. James removes her from his room without a word. The next day, James gets word that the kidnapper the Duke suspected is dead, so the danger is past. James does not feel this is actually true, though, so he reaches out to Alf, our favorite St. Giles informant, to keep an ear out for information about who would want to kidnap Phoebe. Just as Scott was telling him, James finds out a short time later that Phoebe has been kidnapped from behind her house on the way to the Muse. After interrogating Phoebe's maid, James gets the information he needs and performs a daring rescue. However, James does not bring Phoebe home. He instead whisks her off to an undisclosed location, which is where they find themselves playing husband and wife on the road and sharing a single bed at night. On day two, we have an almost encounter because we said underpants things, but they don't actually like touch or feel or anything (laughs) under the clothes. So I don't actually know if this is an encounter. Over the clothes. (laughs) It's over the clothes. So on day two, we have an almost encounter. In the morning with Phoebe, cuddled up and tempting, they kiss. And it quickly turns into a very hot and heavy makeout where Phoebe orgasms for the first time thanks to some clothes-on grinding action. However, after that lovely interlude, we end up at our secret hideaway, James's childhood home in Cornwall. We learn that his families are horse breeders by trade. We also learn why James joined the Dragoons. He had to flee after beating the man who raped his mentally handicapped sister. 
He was meant to protect her when she was in town, but he stopped at the bookstore and the man seduced her with a suite. This man happened to be the second son of the local lord, who put a price on James's head for beating his son nearly to death. However, from that encounter, we get James's niece, Agnes. She's very fun, and the one who named his horse Cowslip, who sadly was put down in the same accident that broke James's leg. She has also been the primary link to home James has had over the years, since he has not been there in over a decade. While in Cornwall, James and Phoebe grow closer. He tells her it cannot work with them, for he is too old, but she will not hear it. She feels safe with him and admires him for all of who he is. We finally get our first encounter when James takes Phoebe to the beach for the first time. She gets to experience something new while knowing James is nearby. When they arrive back at the house, they find out, though, that Agnes is missing and her father is back in town. Immediately, James sets off to confront the man and get rid of him for good. When he arrives, he finds that Agnes has been meeting with her grandfather for almost two years. He tells James his son is a disappointment to him. He will not arrest James and that he would like to have a relationship with Agnes. Also, his terrible, terrible son is going off to the Indies somewhere and should never be back. He returns and tells Phoebe what happens, and they have encounter number two, and they're just all in, like no hesitation. Mm-hmm. The next day, there is a note from Maximus, the Duke. Uh, he tells Trevelyan that the kidnappers has been arrested and that he needs to bring Phoebe home now. He is very annoyed that James whisked her off without even consulting him. Even consulting him and also hiding the location from oh, him. Yeah. I don't know if we made that clear, but the only person that knows where they are is Alf. So he had to send a note through Alf <laughs> yes. to this location. So they set off and Phoebe is not looking forward to going back. James has given her more freedom than she has had since going blind. And on the way back, she's worried he will distance himself and she is not interested in that. Luckily, James listens, and we have encounter three and four on their two-day journey to London. Once they arrive, Phoebe is taken to her room, and James confronts the Duke. He is outraged, and even more outraged. The Duke is outraged, um, and even more outraged when he hears that James wants to court Phoebe. Later, when Maximus goes to Phoebe to let her choose her new bodyguard, she lays into him, quote, It's not my blindness that cripples me. It's everyone else deciding I can't live because of my blindness. If I stumble, if I run into things and fall and hurt myself, it's because I can and I'm free to do so, Maximus. Because without that freedom, I'm just a dull, chained thing. And I won't be that woman anymore. I simply won't, Maximus. He is shocked, but luckily he has had Artemis he has had Artemis to soften his stubbornness. So he goes to James's room and gives him his blessing to marry Phoebe. Well, to court Phoebe with the intention of marriage, I should say. Uh, but we're not done yet because Phoebe is once again kidnapped. James, upon learning this, immediately calls Alf, our favorite St. Giles informant, and asks what Alf has learned so far. This information takes James and to Phoebe and the real kidnapper. It turns out the Duke of Montgomery has a grudge against Maximus for shutting down the gin stills that he ran, so he was going to have McLeish marry her and take her from Maximus. While Montgomery is giving his villain speech, one of the hired hands runs off with Phoebe, so James has to chase them down in St. Giles. He rescues her and professes his love. 
quote, I love you with all my cynical heart. Be my wife and teach me to laugh and let me buy you beer and ride with me on the beaches of Cornwall. Be my love and my wife forevermore. I will, she whispered to him. Oh, James, I will. Epilogue. Two weeks later, James and Phoebe are married and chilling in Cornwall, exactly where they want to be. Aw. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to talk. So shall we first adjourn to the parlor? We shall. So today, we just want to let you know again that if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at T as in Tom, N as in Nancy Strumpets. And if we're not on that platform with that name, then we're not on that platform. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening to us on YouTube, now is a great time to click that thumbs up and hit subscribe before you forget. Liking and commenting on our videos and subscribing to our channel is really a great way for you to let us know that you like what we're doing. And finally, we'd love it. We don't ask this that often, but we would really love it if you could rate and review the podcast. Uh, reviews that are on Apple Podcasts or even on Facebook, although I will say Apple Podcasts, and now there's a way to rate the podcast on Spotify. So we would be so appreciative. Um, most of our listeners are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So if you've got just a second to click that five star for us, that would be super helpful. It really it really does give us a little bit of a boost. And especially on Apple, you can also leave us a little review. We just love to hear what you have to say. If you'd also like to support us in another way, you can tell a friend. That's the way that I have found almost all my podcasts, and I'm always hoisting my podcasts on other people. <coughs> Kelsey. <laughs> true, so, true, true. Uh, it's a great way to find podcasts. Yes, and if you want to really support us, you can head on over to patreon.com and check us out there. We have tiers starting as low as $3, and this is just a really fabulous way to help support the show and to help us keep making the great content that you like. All right, Kelsey. So this book, uh, this is where I was on a reading streak in Maiden Lane. Mm -hmm. And then I got to this one, and I was like, Eh, eh, you know, eh, okay. I just, it's just like, I didn't need to read it next. You know, uh, this book is, is fluffy. It is. It's not like the other ones, even though there's kidnapping attempts and this and that, it's just, it's fluffy. It is. It's definitely not as dark. Um, but it's also like, I forget how much I like it. It's, no, it's, really it's very book. cute. Like I was, when I was writing the notes and like doing my scan read that I do, I was like, oh, cute. Oh, cute. Like there's nothing yeah. objectionable to this book. No, it's like, it's, it's good quality. Our favorite characters are there. They're doing our favorite character things. We're getting more characters. We're getting some of that Maiden Lake Lane intrigue. Um, there's just enough action, but not nearly as much action as the other ones. Like, you know, it's well, got all the I little just, pieces. I think for me, it's like, for whatever reason, this book isn't as enticing as the others. Like I don't, as I'm reading the series, I just feel like I don't care about these characters maybe as much when I'm coming into it or I'm not as intrigued about them. Mm -hmm. But man, it delivers. Like while I'm actually in the experience of reading this book, I was kept saying to myself, I forgot how good this book is. Mm -hmm. I forgot how good this book is. But here's the deal. It's been 
two, maybe three weeks since I actually read this book. Mm-hmm. And I also just don't feel the same way about it again. Like there's just something about this book for me where it, like it doesn't stick like glue to me where I'm just like eh, mm-hmm. afterwards. But then I was like, wait a minute, think back to your experience. You as you were reading this book, it was like I was a different person because I was like, this book is so good. I forgot how good this book is. And I think, I don't know, now me today is like thinking that the part where James finally like lets go and takes Phoebe to his childhood home and then starts to let her have, you know, more space to be herself. And he also has more space to be himself. That's mm-hmm. like, I think that's the heart of this book. 100%. It's pretty wonderful. Yeah, I actually, you know, what I can say about this is this one does not stick to you the same mm-hmm. way that the other ones that some of the other ones in this series do. Like, they're this, overpowering. Yeah, right? like they're just they're. And I will say this, like, I didn't I didn't remember much of this. I knew, like, who they were and what, you know, how they went together, but, like, and how he got to be her bodyguard. But I kind of didn't remember a lot Mm -hmm. of the other stuff. But then I was reading, I was like, oh, wait, they go to his childhood home. And I was like, aren't horses involved? But I didn't really, like, I kind of remembered it as I was, like, getting closer to the parts. And I was like, oh, yes, this is what's going to happen. Oh, yes, this is what's going to happen. Um, So it was kind of... You know, I could remember it and enjoy reading it, but it definitely was not as like, oh my God, as the other ones where like, I could really tell you a whole lot of things. Um, also, I will point out, Zoe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just uh-huh. did my little, because to be fair, I was skim reading. So I was like mainly just hitting plot points and then moving on. I uh-huh. don't think she tells him she loves him at any point in this book. Oh, I Honestly, I've she, read like eight books since I read this book. I couldn't tell no, you. No, it's if funny because I was looking it. at it and he and like because he doesn't even tell her he loves her until the very end. Mm. And she just says, Yes, I will marry you. At no point does she tell him she loves him. She All thinks right, well, it. Like she thinks it. She's like, I think I'm in love with him. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm in love with him. But she never actually says it to him. And then I was like, and then the epilogue came and we got our typical, like, mysterious, like, hint at the next book in the epilogue, which I did not include. And Mm. then we got actually a little bit of their epilogue, which was really nice. But she never actually says it to him, which I was like, what the F? Like, I feel like that's slightly important, but whatever. Hmm. Well, I don't remember. I wish that I could, but I can't. So (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. It was just something I thought I would mention. It's interesting though, because I really do feel like the way, kind of what I just said kind of encompasses this book. Like I don't have a lot of thoughts about this book. My main thoughts are I enjoy reading it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the characters, but I, I think Phoebe is great. I think she handles her blindness and, you know, she's coming to terms with it. She addresses the loss. She, you know, like there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot around that that's great. Um, And her like fighting for herself. And um, so I I really like her as a character. Um, I also think she does great being kidnapped. And there's a great part where they like put a sack over her head and she just is like, what, what do they think? kidnapping a blind person yeah like I love a sack it. they're like there's head. a sack over my head but I'm blind so I don't really know what the point of this is mm-hmm. um but first we need to rate our hero and heroine so yeah I so that's why I was speaking on Phoebe I'm gonna give her an eight 
I feel like she's great and funny and witty and bold, and I like her. I wish I liked her more, but I just can't give her more than an eight because I don't, you know, like she just doesn't stick with me. That's fair. I would rate her the same. Nothing objectionable. She is at no point whiny or annoying. She is pretty solid the whole time. Um, I do not object to her in any way, shape, or form. But I can't say more than an eight because I will forget her by the time I finish another book. Yep. Fair enough. Um, all right. So James, I I feel really honestly the same way. I think that he he's more dynamic than her. He goes through more of a change, like because he's just so stoic and like unknown, and then you he warms up and you see him at home. And yeah, so like I really like him. But I don't think that I I, I love his kind of arc, but I don't think that he's any more dynamic than an eight to me. Like he's just an eight hero, which is great, solid. Yes, I would agree with that. Hundred percent. I want to go back what to one general point. I, I want to talk about Maximus in this book oh, yes. because just real quick, Maximus is a freaking dullard in this book again. Where before his <laughs> book, he's a dullard, right? And mm-hmm. he's like being an idiot all the time and just like being such a like hothead. But then and in, especially where Phoebe is concerned, he's such a freaking dullard. Like, he just d- cannot see anything around him. He's just like a deer in the headlights, and he has a one-track mind, and, like, he will not. And it's so weird to me that after his book, we don't see him evolved. We see him regress, you know? like Yeah, he's regressed, but with like, like I said, he's regressed, but to the point where instead of just bashing his head in the same direction as always, he does at least now stop bashing his head enough to like pause and be like, maybe I should consider somebody else. But it takes a lot for him to actually pivot. Like it takes Phoebe literally yelling at him. It was great. Maximus is like, she gave me a set down and I fully deserved it. And she didn't even raise her voice. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, yes, Maximus is back to being Maximus. Apparently, he just shines in his own novel. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. All right. Well, let's move on to our favorite quotes. I have one right here. Okay. This is 80% through the book. This is James kind of having some revelations. How strange it was to be in love, to spend some three and 30 years not even aware of the existence of a small, pretty, kind, funny, ferociously stubborn woman, to spend day after day with her, arguing, debating, sitting silently sometimes, all to finally come to this day and the knowledge that she was everything to him, that if he lost her from his world, the sun might as well disappear from the sky. I just really liked that. That was kind of like the little warmth and fluffiness that you get from this book. I love it. Um, so mine's a little bit more act like, uh, this is more kind of a turning point where you see James really acknowledge what Phoebe does need and he wants to give that to her. So she, they're out on the moors and he's been walking with her and she says, can I walk by myself? Mm -hmm. And he's like, absolutely not. You're gonna hurt yourself. And she's like, if I fall, I fall. I probably will. It's going to be okay. And so she took another step and another, and then she stumbled and fell. Trevelyan stared in horror. She was on her hands and knees, and she must have at least scraped her palms, and she was shaking. Oh, let me help you, Agnes cried. But Trevelyan shot out his arm, halting her. He took a moment to steady his voice. Phoebe, do you want help? 
No, she said cheerfully. And then she lifted her face and he saw she was laughing. No, I can make it. And then she did. She stood and felt with the tip of her toe until she found which way the path went and set off again. Oh, what a good one. And that actually leads really well into our feminist recap, although usually our steaminess rating is next, but maybe we should start switching these around because I wanted to say this book is really feminist. You've got this disability representation and you have this woman who's speaking up for herself. And I feel like and she's being supported by those who care about her, right? And uh-huh. I think that um uh I think that it really it really shines. It really shows the reader, you know, someone doing that whole butterfly out of the cocoon, like emerging with the wings, you mm-hmm. know, and when when they're being empowered by those around them and they're empowering those around them, it's just it's just lovely, and I would I think this book is is very feminist. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Um, now, steaminess, steaminess. So this Did- was one. The first encounter, not so steamy. Not so steamy. Not yeah. so steamy. Um, but then it kind of ramped up. It was like I, I took a sip and I was like, eh. And then by the time it was done, I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I, I am not. This is this flavor has grown on me. Yes, no, literally. I was like, I don't like it. And I was like, maybe I do. And I was like, I think I like it now. Yeah. yeah. It definitely like each encounter got progressively steamier. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at the final book rating for this book. It's been such a quick one, but I thank goodness that there's at least one of these maiden lanes that isn't an hour long discussion. Yeah, this was actually really funny. I was like, oh, I can I can write this pretty quickly. Like this is this is pretty straightforward. She's protected. They try to kidnap her. Doesn't work. They try to kidnap her again. Doesn't work. They kidnap her this time. They go on holiday together to protect her from the kidnappers. They come back. There's one ultimate thing where we find the ultimate villain. He is defeated. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what would you give this book? I would give this book, you know, I'm going to rate it a 7.5. Only because I will immediately forget it. Okay, that's how I feel too. (laughs) I mean, like, actually, because when I was reading this book, I was like, this book's a nine. This book's a 9.5. But then I freaking forgot this book again. Yes. So, like, I just don't, I don't understand. This book is is a really good book. It's so fun to read. But, yeah, it just falls to a 7.5 because it's not going to be a high ranking in my list. Mm -hmm. I would so love to hear from some listeners about this. I would, you know, if you're reading Maiden Lane, if you've read Maiden Lane, I would love to hear if you agree or disagree about this book because – are we missing something? Like, Yeah, no, just... tell us why you think it's amazing or why you agree with us or why it's one of your least favorites. Maybe because it does not have all the action and it is not fiery and hot and passionate, you know? Like, let us know. Like, I think this is very much a, like I said, it's a fluffy book. This is a book I would pick up, pick up if I was sad. You know what I mean? Like, I could mm-hmm. read it, enjoy a little adventure, have a happy ending and be like, Great. I feel happy again. And I will immediately forget this. <laughs> yes. Uh, sadly, because it's so good. It's very so, good. I, mean, I, I highly recommend this book. I just don't think that I would remember it when I was thinking of books to read. Yeah, right. It's not going to be at the top of our list. We'd be like the Maiden Lane series. They're all pretty good once you get past 
the first three. <laughs> yes. Well, we're not reading Maiden Lane again next week. It's going to be a little bit of time before we come back and uh, visit uh, St. Giles again. <laughs> um, but next week, Kelsey, what are we reading? We are reading The Scandalous, Dissolute, No Good, Mr. Right by Tessa Dare. A Tessa Dare, you say? A Tessa Dare, I say. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my pearls. Um, yeah, it's been a long time since we've done a Tessa Dare. Um, and I think we've done two, actually, now that I think about it, two other Tessa Dare novellas. So we're just jumping on the Tessa Dare novella train. And we're just going to keep novelling it as we wait for our one day shining light of the bride bet to come out. <laughs> it will. It will come out one day. I know it will. And I, I hope it is as good as it's so hard. Oh, can you imagine? We've all been waiting for it so long. Like if it's not like one of her most shining arrows, like the book we read today, right? Like this was a perfectly good book, but it wasn't like the one that you remember first. I don't care. I just need a story completed. I don't like when stories end and you don't get all the characters' stories. And this is why I need that book. I just need to have completion. I still, you know me, I will still yell about the books that end with nothing. Very <laughs> upset about them all. Very upset. I'm sure we'll get it soon. But in the meantime, we get to read some of her other writing and it's going to be a hoot, I am sure. So thank you all so much for listening and join us next time as we read The Scandalous, Dissolute, No Good, Mr. Right by Tessa Dare. And may all your ever afters end happily. Mm-hmm.